This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Cleverly for Sheringham! The Bellator! And Defoe all the way! Hello guys and welcome back to a slightly earlier edition this week of The Last Word on Spurs and we're going to be reflecting on Christian Eriksen's late show against Burnley to hand Spurs a stoppage time win and we're also going to be looking ahead to the huge North London derby to come this week in the League Cup. Now guys, before that, just some information for you that the last one on Spurs now on Love Sport is going to be switching to a Thursday night show following Spurs' progression in the Champions League. Now to have your say on our Love Sport shows, you can get in touch with us between the hours of 7pm to 9pm in the UK. That is 7pm to 9pm in the UK. And if you, like I say, want to give us a call, discuss all things Spurs, you can do that on the following number of 0208 70 20 558. That is 0208 70 20 558. And if you are calling from outside the UK, all you need to simply do is add plus four four in front of that number. Now, the show is available to listen to on both 558 AM and DAB radio. That is 558 AM and DAB radio. And of course, you can catch the show both on the Love Sport app and via their website. So make sure you tune in to that. Love Sports show for Thursday's reaction to hopefully Spurs beating Arsenal in the Cup. 
But before we do that, we have yet another great show coming your way. I've got alongside me as always Jason McGovern. Joining Jason tonight, we have two returning guests to the last one on Spurs. In first up, Ashley Watts, who's been on our show recently. And alongside Ashley, we are delighted to have on the show, making his second appearance, his first one of the season, Ross from the very popular must-follow account on Twitter, Hotspur Related. Enjoy the show. First up, joining me, I've got Jason McGovern with me. Jace, how are you on the back of a really good Sunday, Jace, for Spurs? Yeah, well, I've just about thawed out from Saturday's game. It was, uh, it was a bit chilly at Wembley, that's for sure, but... Uh... Just absolute relief when, when Ericsson bashed in that goal and you thought, well, at least we've got something to warm us up for the day. And then, and then it's been a good day today overall, I think. Not bad, is it? I mean, I say Arsenal losing, Man United, I say, you know, more points in front of them. I mean, I'll bring it over to you, Ash. How are you, Ash? First, are you well? Yeah, I'm great. I, I, I've just thawed out from yesterday as well. It was so cold, so cold. But at the end of the day, we we, we made it we made it look tough, but... But we've got the three points, and that's all that matters, right? Oh, most certainly spot on. And Ross bringing you in, you know, five points clear now, fifth place Arsenal, 13 points ahead of sixth place in the Premier League, Man United on the back of Sunday's games. What do you make of that, Ross? Yeah, no, it's great. I think, like the guys have already alluded to in the early stages, like it's just keeping that momentum more than anything. Like, you know, it must be, from a psychological point of view, such a lift when you're kind of half expecting the 85th, 86th minute to come away with a draw. And then we finally got it over the line in whatever it was, 91st minute, was it, with Ericsson? Yeah. So just to keep the momentum going from a psychological point of view, it must be such a lift to then kind of get better than what we were initially expecting, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. I think it's spot on there. And then, Jace, bringing it back round to yourself, you know, Spurs, like Ross said there, I mean, it was grabbing victory at the death, wasn't it? It wasn't a great performance, but despite, Jace, a whole host of absentees due to injury, this Spurs team, Jace, they still find a way to grind out a result and get a really, really important win. It was a, was a vital win because uh, <clears throat> I'm not so sure we played particularly well. It was nowhere near our best, but uh, Burnley were were absolutely awful on the day. And I think my criticisms would be more at them than at, than at Tottenham. I mean, you can criticise a side, you know, failing to break Burnley down and saying, oh, we're not moving the ball here or there. But, but sometimes I, I think in a game like that, you, you do need a sec- the other side to, to try and do something. And if you're going to criticise one side, it shouldn't be the side that's actually trying to win the game. It's the ones that are contributing nothing other than the wasting time. And I thought we, you know, we we didn't play well, but I think we just deserved the win purely because of how negative Burnley were. So it was uh, it was important to get it. And there's there's something kind of sweet when when you've had a side that's wasted time from the very first minute that eventually comes unstuck in time that's added on for their wasting. So that, that kind of makes it that little bit sweeter, doesn't it? And um, no, it was just good to get those three points. It was indeed. And bring it over to you there, Ross. You know, the, is the beauty of this Tottenham team, as I said to Jason there, under Pochettino, that they, they always seem to try and find a way. They never get up to the very last second of the game. And is that symbolising of this never-say-die spirit that we're talking about in the club here, Ross? Yeah, like it's, just, it's quite beautiful to watch, actually. Like The mentality shift from even Spurs of when Pochettino came in and then a couple of years ago, there were still kind of question marks over our mentality. And I know rival fans will always point at it, regardless, until we win a trophy, however meaningful or meaningless. But like the fact that we just continue to fight away, even as fans, I think the majority of us accepted that it was going to be one of those days, you know, we've been away at Barca, uh, come back, and you could kind of... Except that maybe you know there'd be a drop. So for us to 
actually, like I say, come away with the whole three points is massive. And it just, like I say, never die a mentality in the sense of just keep plugging away, plugging away. And yeah, it's great to see. I'm bringing around to you, Ash. You know, we talk about this Tottenham team. They're currently on a 21-game streak here in the Premier League without a draw, winning 16, losing the other five since that 1-1 draw against Brighton in April. Bolton, actually, are the only other club to have had a longer run without a draw from the start of a Premier League campaign than Spurs this season. What did you make of the win overall, Ash? We had to work hard for it. Hard fought, wasn't it, against Burnley? Yeah, I mean, it was a dogged effort. Like There was times where I thought it just wasn't our day. Like The ball went... Uh... Uh, was it Song crossed it across the line and then Ali tried to bundle it in back post yep. and it was just it was coming to the 90th minute I was like it just isn't going to be our day and, I, and then I was shocked when it was not, it was only four minutes added time like I'm sure uh, Joe Hart had wasted four, five, six minutes on his own um, so I was kind of resigned to that but when when Ericsson got put through and he scored I thought it was quite a similar goal to when he came on against Inter Milan you know mm, with the yes with the yeah. shoot layoff and then just he, he's, he's so clinical you either want him or Kane in that situation either of them will bury it and he buried it and at the end of the day like however bad you play it's it's those games where you play bad and you do scrape up, scrape over the line it's, they're the games that matter towards the end of the season because we, we're going to batter teams 4 or 5 nil, and yeah we'd be happy with that but it's these games where in previous years we might have had a draw like last year where we drew one all with Burnley, where we drew nil nil with Swansea. Like we're not doing that anymore. We we're finding a way to get over the line, and I, I think that's the most important thing. We are indeed. And Jace, bringing it back around to yourself, you know, we talk about substitutions changing games. You could argue, Jace, that Potter's done that in the last four games. You know, the PSV one, we go out two one winners. Inter, the win one nil. The Barcelona game, the one one, and Burnley. I mean, Jace, we talk on this show a lot about Pochettino's in-game management, you know, substitutions coming late. But it's fair to say at the moment, Jace, he is doing the right things, isn't he? Well, I've defended him a lot from criticism when he gets it, going back to those Juventus games. I think these times, perhaps I wouldn't join as, be as praiseful of him as others, because I think, you know, just the circumstances kind of dictate it. You've got to beat Burnley at home. So, you know, more the, more the choice is... You know, when it when it was we were chasing a game at Arsenal at two two, what does he do? And then he got it wrong. But when when you're chasing a win and you must win in against Burnley and you, you have to score against Barcelona, those changes are kind of forced on you, aren't they? But but one of the changes I, I did like yesterday and and a player that, that you know still was has hardly made any impression, but when you think of the season, is is Fernando Lorente because mm. he scored that yeah. winner at, at West Ham when he played him, and then he came on to good effects against PSV. Uh, Lucas Moura kind of nicked the goal off him on, on Tuesday night. It was a shame that it didn't go to, to him, but but just in those few minutes he was on, you know, they played with three centre-halves that, that kept Kane quiet all afternoon, and just throwing him on, it was his knockdown to Sonny, it was him contesting the ball where we drew two of those defenders with him that leads to the goal, and you, you, you kind of think Lorente, even though he's only coming on still for a couple of minutes, at least he's actually having an impression on the game in those few minutes. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to see, I just think, chuck Lorente on a bit earlier sometimes because Burnley were just not going to, they were never going to come at us, were they? And you thought mm. he's crying out with three centre-halves to, to just chuck Lorente on just for something different. I'm going to bring on to the subject, Jason, you mentioned there in the beginning of the show about 
Sean Dyche's tactics the way he set Burnley up, which I couldn't believe in terms of the negativity of how they were planned, the, the time wasted. We're going to bring it on to that very shortly, but just to go to some listener questions, bringing it back into you now, Ross. We've got a question here from Matt Robinson, who says, What a week it's been. Great podcast as always. Thanks so much for that, Matt. He says, What do you guys think of Pochettino's subs? They've been really good lately. Do you agree with that, Ross? Yeah, I think like we've already touched on that. I think it's more a case of, on a wider point, how good he's managing the squad this season. Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong, his mm. changes are impacting the games. Um, but, you know, there has been other games where maybe he's been guilty of not impacting the game, like the Arsenal game away, unfortunately. However, I think on a wider point, his management of the squad this year has been brilliant. I think considering all the kind of restrictions he's working under, obviously we know we didn't sign anyone in the summer. Uh, most players at the World Cup, our injuries this year seem to be horrific. Maybe that's related to the World Cup. And the fact that we're still here in a position, you know, where we're being uh, linked to potentially being an outside candidate for the title. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, we're yeah. still in all Spot the cups. Um, and, you know, as much as it's kind of hectic and we've got this ever-continuing injury list, we're still giving out debuts to uh, people like Oliver Skip, which yeah. I'm sure we'll get on to. Yeah. Um, and just in general, like the fact how well he's managed the squad this year, even people like who normally you wouldn't think have would have an impact seem to be kind of chipping in and turning games like Lorente, like obviously on a what <clears throat> more consistent basis to Soko lately. Everyone seems to be chipping in. Got agree with that, haven't you? I mean, it's all like I say there, and you bring it on there, Ross. The points you make, you know, we always say it, no summer signings, no new stadium yet, multiple injuries, and he still finds a way for the Spurs side to keep running out results, and it's still our best start ever to a Premier League season. I think you've got to take all that into account. It's been a magnificent approach by Pochettino, and coming back round to you there, Ash. You know, this is from Brad O'Neill who says. Been questions each season about the strength and depth of our squad, so it must come as a welcome relief for Pochettino that every player steps up when called upon. Talking about the revelations that Sissoko, Winks, Lamella have all been this season with consistent performances. Do you agree with that one, Ash? Yeah, absolutely. If you look at the starting eleven that was playing yesterday against Burnley, if you if you look at the central midfield, Sissoko and Skip, if you if you think back to the beginning of the season, they're probably the fifth, sixth. Uh, at most, like first choice in terms of central midfield. Obviously, you've got you'd have Dembele, you'd have Wanyama, Dyer, Winks. You'd have all four of them at the start of the season, probably ahead of them too. So you'd even have uh, Luke Amos, wouldn't you? He he was in front of Skip. Yeah. So so even as a young player, you'd you'd have had Luke Amos in there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so it's mad to think that like we've got our fifth, sixth, seventh choice midfield pairing <laughs> in the Premier League. <laughs> And like yes, yeah, Sissoko starts in in midweek against Barca, and you're just thinking these players like if they hadn't stepped up to the plate, where would we be like with all these injuries? So it's it's testament to Pochettino for getting these guys included and getting them game time start of the season, just so that they're prepared to come in for these sort of games and not and not just being thrown in there kind of thing. That they're, they're ready and they're all performing well. Just on that, I was going to say, you know, you look at Ben Davis yesterday, he has to go and play at centre-half. I don't think he lost a ball in the air all game, did he? He played very well. No, I think he won every single aerial duel, Ben Davis. I'm going to bring on to Ben Davis shortly, Jase, but I want to ask you firstly, back to the style of Burnley's play, the negativity to it. Cameron Yoda Jr. asked the question, Jace, doggy performance against a team playing for a draw, did we win ugly or did Burnley just play ugly? Oh, Burnley played really ugly. Burnley played really ugly. Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. 
Burnley are going to come and, and you know they're going to try and be dogged and things like that. And then Sean Dyche said, we'd, we'd worked all week on, on playing with a back five. You know, he probably didn't anticipate what Tottenham's starting lineup was. So I kind of think, OK, I can understand you setting up like that because you think it's going to be Ericsson, Ali, you know, Sonny's going to be playing, Kane is, you know, the whole side's going to be fluid. But then there kind of comes that bit where you think, well, hold on a minute. Tottenham have, have been vulnerable, haven't they, from set pieces all year? That's right, yeah. Yeah, that's been our weakness. And you think, there's no Vertonghen, there's no Davinson Sanchez, there's, um, you know, there's, there's no Eric Dyer in the side, they've got Ben Davis at centre-half, they've got two short full-backs, they've got an 18-year-old kid in midfield alongside Sissoko. So, OK, it's not the side we're expecting. Let's try and get up the pitch, try and get some cheap free kicks in and around their box or something and test them out. But they didn't even try and do that, Burnley, did they? They spent the entire game with with 10 men behind the ball. And I look at Aaron Lennon and think, you know, we all know what Aaron Lennon used to be. He, he hardly got in our half, did he? The whole game. And you think, what a, a complete waste. And and so it was kind of quite justice that we did score with an old-fashioned hoof. And you think, it's exactly what Burnley deserved. The time-wasting of Joe Hart was 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 a disgrace, and I think as as Ash said, there was only four minutes added on. You know, he, he books two for time wasting, but that took up an hour. Gonna, Jace. That took an hour time. for exactly. that first booking, Jace. I mean, exactly, every, every single stoppage was was a minute, minute and a half before they'd restart, and so you know, I, he could have added on fifteen extra minutes for for me, <laughs> and he still wouldn't have been right. But uh, no, I, I think yes, we won ugly. But there are, like I said, there's times where you think the game will be ugly when one side just has no intention of making any contribution to win it. And I, I wish the the bloke on match of the day would have, when he listened to Sean Dyche and Sean Dyche saying, "Oh, we got this right, we got that right, we reduced them to this." I wish the the, the bloke would have said, "But what did you try to do to win that game of football?" Because they did nothing whatsoever to try and do anything other than what they waste time and, and just ruin a game of football. Mm. I mean, coming around to you, Ross, the irony is right up until the last few seconds of that game, the Spurs fans were cheering every time Burnley struggled to get the ball back to play to restart the game. I mean, could you believe watching it, Ross, you know, the way that Burnley set up the side? I mean, it was so negative from the first whistle. I just wasn't expecting that from a Sean Dyche team. I thought they would be a little bit more expansive. Uh, no, it didn't really surprise me, to be honest. I mean, maybe to the extent in which they did time waste, that was surprising. But I think there's just such a disparity this year in the league. Like, there's almost two leagues within the Premier League, isn't there? There's a top yeah. six and then the best of the rest. And I think, you know, Burnley are always going to be one of those teams that are struggling to stay in the Premier League due to the resources they have. And therefore, unless they're playing in their league, if you like, of the other remaining 14, well, 13 teams plus themselves, I think they're always going to just come way to the top six or even at home and just set up defensively and, you know, take the point if they can and maybe nick something on the break. But I think that they were just quite happy to waste time. But it was beautifully ironic to see Joe Hart, you know, wasting time after time at goal kicks and then suddenly sprinting for balls to get the ball back in play with like two, three minutes left of the match remaining. Uh, go, all, go all that hair wiping, 
all that hair yeah. white, that head and shoulders, and suddenly the rain didn't matter to him, did it? It was astonishing. No. The transformation. <laughs> oh dear. I mean, Ross, going to stick with you here because I want to bring it on to the team news ahead of the game. We had Skip making his full Premier League debut for Tottenham Hotspur whilst Rose kept his place in the side. Lamella also made his full return. As Jace mentioned in the um, the start of the show, Davis played at centre-back like he has done in the past for Wales with Trippier also fit enough to start with Mora also making his place in the team following his goal against Barcelona. We had Dyer, who has been confirmed on this Sunday here that he's going to miss the club's Christmas fixtures having had an appendix removed and Jan Vertonghen was out with a thigh injury. Ross, going into the game when you saw the team, were you slightly concerned or were you always confident in that 11 going onto the pitch? I just thought it was weird. Like You know when you look at a lineup and you can't work out what the plan is? Like I was thinking, because at first I didn't even see Davis was in the team, so I was thinking, right, we're playing four at the back. And yeah. now I realised we were playing Davis at centre-back, and then Skip was randomly in there alongside Tissoko, and I just couldn't work it out. And then obviously once the game gets underway, you get a feel for it and so forth. But again, that's just credit to Pochettino and how he's managed the squad, that we've got a double pivot of Tissoko and Skips in midfield. Ben Davis, who played seamlessly uh, at centre-back, didn't even put a foot wrong. And to be fair, I'm not his biggest fan. Um, and yeah, just the lineup didn't seem to make much sense initially, but surprisingly, Pochettino knows, knows more than me. <laughs> well, it's funny you say it. I've got a question here that I want to ask Ash. Ash, this is from Gareth at GW Legend, who says, "Whilst we should always question decisions made by Pochettino, surely we must now give him the benefit of the doubt when it comes down to fitness with selections." And now, surely, you know, again, a team selection there, he gets it right. Should we trust him more? That's from Gareth. Would you make that one, Ash? Yeah, I'm I'm always one for trusting the manager regardless. I mean, we all have our opinions on who should start and most of us probably think that the best team should start every game, but obviously that's not possible. Um, with, with Pochi, this season I do feel like he's been rotating the, rotating the team a bit better. I, I think last few seasons he's just been maybe rotating the full-backs and the attacking midfield has, and striker has probably been the same. But we've seen the last few games, Kane's been rested, Ericsson's been rested, Ali's been rested, Son's even been rested. Mm. It, we do have the option to rest them now with the strength and depth we've got. And that's not necessarily due to buying anyone in the summer. It's more the fact that we've got everyone fit, we've promoted people from youth, and now we've got a settled squad where everyone can contribute. And you don't feel like the team's getting worse for bringing someone in. Like when, If Lucas or Lamella comes in for Son, I don't feel like the team's really getting worse or if Harry Kane's not starting it's not the end of the world where whereas maybe a year ago if Harry Kane doesn't start we don't win the game Sticking with you Ash another question here from Kevin at KJC2287 it says after resting Ericsson last week against Leicester were you surprised to see him start on the bench against Burnley signs of that stomach injury more serious than we actually know would you make that one Ash? Well he's, he's such an important player for us um, he's if he's just come back from an injury or there's any concerns over an injury for him, then there's no there's no point shoving him in for a game against Burnley when we do have, like I said, the adequate cover. And he's probably looking at him thinking, yeah, he's played a he's played a whole game in Barca, and hopefully he's going to probably start him on Wednesday as well. And he's he's probably had a couple of eyes on that and thinking mm. that game is a very important game for us for where we are in the in the spot in the season. Spot yeah. in terms of the mentality of the team. And also, I do feel like he probably thinks it is about time we win a trophy. And yeah. he's had his, he, he's made comments before about, oh, the League Cup, FA Cup isn't a big trophy. But 
I've got a sneaky feeling that if he if he wins that Carabao Cup and we beat an Arsenal along the way, he he's not going to be hiding that. He's going to be, <laughs> be loving it. So. I hope you're right. Actually, so we've got we've got a big preview of Arsenal to come. I'm looking forward to that one with, you, with yourselves. Jason, want to bring it back around you? Another question here. This is from Anthony Hurd, Anthony H7. He says, "What is the situation with Victor Wanyama? Has he got the same injury that Ledley had?" Question mark. He's been struggling for so long. He's pretty much been out for the most of the time since we left the old White Hart Lane. I mean, you do have to question, Jason. You've also mentioned it on the previous Love Sports shows and also on the pod. The situation with Wanyama, Jason, is becoming now quite untenable, isn't it? I mean, you can't imagine he's got much of a Spurs future left at the moment, the way it's going with his injuries. He's been unlucky, hasn't he? Well, he's been unlucky. And it's, and the Victor Wanyama from, from that 16-17 season was immense, wasn't he? he? He was an absolute beast and, and you'd want him in the team every week. But... If you look at it, the last 68 combined Premier League and Champions League games we've played, he started nine. Mm, yeah, that's and that tells you step. everything. Yeah. It's nine in 68. Yeah. And, and, that, and to me, the problem when you've got someone like Victor Wanyama there is that mentally, you, you write down your squad at the start of the season, you say, right, we've got two, two defensive midfielders there, Dyer and Wanyama. But you think, well, I can't rest Dyer and I can't rotate Dyer because when I want to, Wanyama's not fit. So you haven't really got two there, have you? You can't make any any kind of plan around Victor Wanyama. You can't think, I'll leave Eric out of this one and that one because Eric has to play because Wanyama's not fit. But, you know, I'd seen people saying, well, we should get rid of him. The problem you've got, I fear, with Victor Wanyama and getting rid of him is which club is going to buy him because... You know, even if you said, OK, we'll send him to Crystal Palace, Bournemouth, you know, Wolves, whichever. Victor Wanyama probably inwardly knows he's not going to play any more for them than he is for Tottenham because it's it's an injury problem, not not a form problem with Victor Wanyama, isn't it? And those clubs, number one, he will probably struggle to pass a medical. And number two, they'll probably say to him, well, we'll pay you 30 grand a week and we'll give you... 40 50 grand appearance bonus but he knows he's never going to match that appearance bonus and so if you if you're saying there i could go to wolves and earn 30 grand a week or i can stick at tottenham on 65 yeah. what are you going to do what are you going to do so you know which club is going to buy which victor wanyama under those circumstances so you kind of fear that we've, we've just got to wait for victor wanyama's contract to, to run out or we're going to have to pay up his entire contract but I think you are, it, it's it's a sad thing, but you think you've got to move on from Victor Wanyam. Nine games in 68 is, mm. you know, I mean, that is like a, a young kid coming into the side, isn't it? Realistically, you what? know, that, that's the type of stat you'd have from a, a real backup last, you know, a Carl Norton type figure, not... <laughs> Not somebody that you want to be a, a key figure in your side. Yeah, I mean, talk about key figures in the team. Eric Dyer has been, you know, never a problem for this side. Jason, I think you've said on previous shows again that you know this guy's featured more than any other player Ooh. in the team. We've had news obviously on Sunday that he's now going to miss the club's Christmas fixtures big loss. after having his big appendix loss. removed. Well, I want to ask you about that. You know, the big loss, Eric Dyer. Does that mean it does now give the opportunity for the likes of Oliver Skip? You'd imagine he may be featuring in more games, Jason, after a really impressive start at the weekend against Burnley. Well, you think he will do because, you know, I look at it now and I think Toby and Sissoko are probably our two most important players right now because when um, Vertonghen Sanchez out injured, Foyth out injured, there's only really Toby as a as a genuinely fit centre-half. We can't afford to leave Toby out of any game now. And you kind of look at Musa Sissoko and think there's no Dyer, there's no Wanyama, there's no Dembele, Harry Winks has to be managed. 
So you're looking at Sissoko and thinking, we need you fit for the next, you know, right the way through Christmas. He's going to have to play more or less every game, isn't he? We can't afford an injury to either Toby or Sissoko at the moment. Mm. Yet you think if if Christian Eriksen got injured, at least there are others that that can play in those positions. But those two are vital to us. But it was good to see Oliver Skip. I think he made a little mistake early on where he, he turned a little bit blind and, and got dispossessed. But overall, it was a it was a really good, mature performance. And, and I liked the way he, he showed for the ball. You know, he put himself in, into intelligent positions, looked over his shoulder, made sure he, that after that, that every time he got the ball, he was in space to get it and had time to look up. And it was a really mature performance from him. Ross, I want to bring you in. Oliver Skip, Jason mentioned him there. I mean, he does look like a really promising prospect for the future here, doesn't he, of Tottenham? Because, it, for me, he kind of grew in confidence as that game went on. Tried an excellent range of passing for a player so young. And, Ross, I know you mentioned this as well. The 13th Academy player to be given a debut by Spurs, Ross Maurizio Pochettino. He just keeps on developing and nurturing these young stars, Ross. Yeah, I think Jason's basically already said the point I was going to make, that... The most promising thing of his debut, I felt, was the fact that after losing the ball quite early on, he never kind of hid from that. And if anything, grew as the game went on. And he was always trying to break lines with his passing. A lot of the time, obviously, I mean, can't even imagine how daunting it must be oh. as, what, he's 17? Yep. To make your Premier League debut at Wembley, uh, or full Premier League debut at Wembley. Um, so, yeah, to have the confidence to not shy away and continuously ask these, you know, international players for the ball and keep trying to dictate the game from central midfield was really promising for, for us going forward in the sense that you know he's gonna he's not willing to shy from it and he does want to kind of dictate and he's not going to get too worried if you know he doesn't play as well as he wants to in the initial stages a couple of real biting tackles from him as well wasn't there yeah he's he all stuck in and, yeah I, th- I think you know just just as a word of caution from it probably Burnley helped him by the fact that they were so unambitious and kept so many behind the ball. If he has to play Wednesday and you, you've got Ramses and Gwendoosies that are prepared to run behind him and take him the other way, run off his shoulder, that's an entirely different prospect. But, you know, you can only play what's in front of you and he had a fantastic debut. Mm. Come around to you, Ash. The Mac boy says, looks like Alistair Campbell's Burnley were finally outclassed and left spinning by the ever-impressive Lily Whites. Lovely to hear that Skip had a decent run out too. But will there be more games to come for the very talented Oliver Skip this season? You would imagine so, Ash, wouldn't you, as we discussed because of the news Eric Dyer now is going to be out for a while with this um, appendix he's having to have removed. Yeah, I reckon he's probably going to appear a few times over the Christmas period. Yeah, Normally quite busy and we've got what, five or six games probably until Eric mm. Dyer comes back. Um, I can't imagine Dembele or Wanyama being back before then. Um, it'd probably be it'd probably be a rotation between Winks, Skip, Sissoko. Although the, the last few games, I feel like we've done all right. When Ericsson's, we, we've kind of gone all out attack really the last couple of games. When we brought Ericsson and he, we've dropped him back into kind of like the central midfield area. Um, and that's something that I wouldn't mind seeing from the start really. I feel like he's He's the type of player who who could do that. It does leave us a bit vulnerable, but against the lesser sides who aren't actually going to attack us, I I can't see it being a problem. It just enables us to get another attacker in the team, if you if you know what I mean. I do. Yeah, I, I mean, I see where you're coming from there. I mean, Jace, I want to come over to you because I've got another interesting question here from Jonathan Best, who says. Can building with academy players like the Skips, the Winks, the Canes work in the long term, or is splashing the cash really the only way to sustain success? The whole the whole question is dictated by are they good enough? You mm. know, if, if they're at Harry Kane's level, 
of course they are. If they're uh, at Ryan Mason's level, it sadly wasn't good enough to go and win a league title or something, was it? Um, you know, the fact that we're now a, a top four club and a Champions League club makes it much harder for those youngsters to come through than... The, I mean, you know, the lot down the road have been able to play kids and things in Europa League games and things, haven't they? And, and Europa League gives you that chance. But it's it's brutal when you're trying to stay in the top four and, and, and play Champions League football. But the key thing is, if the youngsters are good enough, I feel Pochettino will throw them in. I felt a little bit sad that Carl Walker-Peters didn't start because I really wanted You were keen on that, Jess, wasn't you? You wanted to start. Yeah, I yeah. was. But mm. but then when you see the fact that Ben Davis is having to to come in at left uh, centre-half and you're having to bring Oliver Skip in, you kind of think, well, well, maybe, you know, you can partly understand that he did want to have some experience in there rather than having too many, too many enforced changes. But, I, you know, I do want to see Carl Walker-Peters getting games over the, over the Christmas period and New Year period as well and not just Southport or Tranmere. <laughs> <laughs> and Ross, coming back round to yourself, Davis made two good flying headers in quick succession in the opening couple of minutes of Spurs. I mean, a solid game overall from the Welshman as we say, Ross, he's playing out of position at centre-back. Is he quietly returning to form, Ross? Because I think at the start of the season, you know, it's fair to say Davis wasn't looking himself. Do you think now Rose giving him that competition, is that going to spur him on? Pardon the pun? Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. I think, I think the most promising thing was how seamlessly he went into centre-back. Mm, I mean, if there was one team that maybe you said with the exception of probably Liverpool because of speed they have up front uh, that Davis might struggle with is the physicality of Burnley so the fact that he went and literally been a minute or two wasn't it he won a header and then got a tackle in on him um, and then he had a succession of headers at a corner as well like he played really well and maybe an option going forward obviously with Dyer out um because obviously, I think people are forgetting that Dyer not only a loss in terms of midfield option, but the versatility he has uh, for small. being able to play centre back yeah, and it. also right back if needed. Um, I know he hasn't played there recently for us, but I think maybe that could be something we look to go and use going forward. Interesting. And sticking on the Davis subject, Ash coming around to you. Another question here about Ben Davis. This is from Steel City Spurs, who says, "Should Davis start more in central defence? For he was superb against Burnley." Yeah, he, he played well. I mean, Burnley didn't really... It's, it's Burnley. They didn't try to attack. <laughs> it's Burnley. That's what you have to say, Ash. It's Burnley. That's it. <laughs> um, I mean, they didn't try to attack. I mean, he won some. He won aerial juice and he did play well. But I think if I played centre-back, I, I wouldn't have been caused that much trouble by that Burnley team. They, they didn't try to score. Um, I, would, I wouldn't have him playing there all the time. But it's a good option to have. Like... It, if if we do have centre backs out or there's centre backs that need a rest, then yeah, I don't I don't see why not. He's I mean he he plays in a back three for Wales, doesn't he? So he's he's kind of he's kind of used to it. But I wouldn't necessarily say he's he's my first choice to be in a in a back back two. But yeah, if if in, injuries permit and and we need him to do a job there, then yeah, he's he's all right. <laughs> I think I think that's the key, isn't it? If if you get continuous injury problems you could think of going to his with a three at the back and playing him as the left of those three but but you're right if he's the, the left of only two it's an entirely I mean you know if, if you said it's going to be Alabama Young and Lacazette against him Wednesday that's an entirely different prospect in the same way as it is for Oliver Skip it's an entirely different prospect for Ben Davis on on Wednesday night. Ross, I want to come back around to you because Harry Kane saw a very decent penalty appeal turned down after getting a challenge in the box from Tarkovsky. Would you surprise it wasn't given, Ross? I mean, I thought looking at that first time, that was a stonewaller. 
Yeah, I thought it was Stonewall too. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the Townsend one many years ago against Chelsea at home, in the, fe- in the sense that he nicked the ball past him and then obviously got clattered. I'm surprised we didn't get it, to be fair. Maybe that would have changed the dynamics of the game. But yeah, penalty all day long for me. Well done, chaps. Quick fire across the table. Jace, yes or no? Ashley, penalty or not? What do you reckon? When I've seen it on TV, I'd have given it. On the day, I was so far away, mate. You know, I had no idea. It just looked, <laughs> looked all right from where I was. Woodrow and Ash, yes or no for you? Yeah, like like Jay said, I, I was up the other end. Um, thought it was a penalty at the time, and then when I've seen it on replay, I definitely think it's a penalty, so I think we were a bit unlucky. Okay. Well, John, we'll stick with you, Ash. We're now, now going to move it on to discuss Ericsson being replaced on the hour mark by Lucas, who missed an early volley shot, but offered little since that. I mean, we've seen with Lucas, do you think, is it just a case, Ash, of just trying to find... Is consistency in the Spurs shirt because at the start of the season he was on fire. We can't forget the way he scored those two brilliant goals at Old Trafford against Manchester United. But he might also join the week. You got that all important goal against Barcelona. Is it just a case, Ash? Like I say, just finding the guy's consistency because when he plays well, I mean, he's unstoppable, isn't he? Yeah, I'm in two minds about uh, Lucas Moura. To be honest, like at the start of the season he was on fire, but Kane wasn't necessarily playing that well, and I I don't think. Deli Ali was in the team, but but when when Deli Ali, Kane, and Lucas play together, I don't I don't feel like we see the best in Lucas. I feel like he might clog up a bit of their space. I think we've mentioned it before. He takes up areas where Deli Ali and Kane operate, and it kind of clogs up the midfield. And I, I saw a bit of that against Burnley. They they were so compact and everything was so tight and narrow that he he didn't really have the space to do to work with or to like use his pace kind of thing. Where Whereas against teams like Barcelona, who naturally just come on to you, we can bring him on as a sub and he's got that space to work with. And, yeah, he thrives upon that. So, yeah, I'm in, I'm in two minds. I, I, I feel like he's a great super sub to have, but I, would, I wouldn't necessarily start him every game because, mm. because of the reasons I said. Yeah. You kind of feel he's a player that will play best when we can play on the break, yep. can't you? Oh, he's you know, that home attacking football, wasn't it, Chase? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that agree. home game with Dortmund last year when, when I think Sonny scored and Kane got two, didn't he? That's the type of game. And when, when you can, Man United was a prime example, wasn't it, of that? But against those teams that come to Wembley and just condense the space and park everything, then it's there's nowhere really for him to run into other than getting in the way of everybody else. Mm. I mean, Ross, coming around to you... I wanted to discuss, you know, the chances Jordan towards the end of that game. We saw Lamella, you know, go close. The ball fell to him. Good save by Joe Hart, you might have to say. Lamella might should, should have done better than Sonny. I mean, Ross, I think at that moment I was expecting the net to bulge. Sonny screwed it wide. We've had a discussion with Sonny, I think, before on the show, Ross. I want to get your take on it. Now, for me, Sonny's one of those players that is a great goal scorer. You know, a scorer of great goals. But do you think to put Sonny in that world-class bracket, it just needs to be more consistent with his goals, do you think, Ross, overall? Yeah, probably. I mean, you're asking like the worst person because I just love Son blindly. Oh, I, listen, don't get me wrong. Listen, I love. <laughs> listen, I love. I agree. Listen, I lo- I love Son. I adore Son. There's no. I wouldn't ever want to see him leave the club. But I'm just thinking for other people out there that maybe criticise Son and don't look at him as you know as highly as we do. Because Spurs fans, we know how good he is. We appreciate him for everything he does. Do you think, for the outside perspective, then of supporters that don't appreciate what he does, is that just because he doesn't score every single week? Maybe is that where the harshest critics might be looking at Sonny? Yeah, and I think, to be fair, lately he hasn't been the most clinical. I mean, you know, sometimes we've seen him need three, four, five chances before he gets on the score sheet. 
Um, he's not, you know, the type of one chance, one goal man like a Kane. I know, obviously, Kane's an elite level striker, but um, maybe that is kind of one criticism aimed at him. But you've got to acknowledge the fact that he's played a lot of football. Yeah, I think maybe he does need to be more clinical. I am quite blind in my opinion of him. Ash, give us your thoughts on Sonny. You know how much we love him, we all adore him. Can you see my point there? Do you think outside perspective fans, is it just the case that he's not as clinical as what Ross says in front of goal sometimes? Yeah, he, last, last year in the season before, he, he racked up the numbers in terms of goals, but he, he's always been one where you, you feel like he needs a few chances before he scores a goal. I don't, but I'm not always fully confident when he's through on goal that he's actually going to finish it. Like, Last couple of games, he spent a few chances. I think it was Chelsea where he could have scored three or four goals. Um, and he, he even said afterwards, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I scored that wonder goal because I, I owed the team for the amount of chances they've been creating. So, yeah, it's, it, for me, it's a case of being more clinical. When, it, it's fine when you're playing the lesser teams and you get like multiple chances. But when we're playing the bigger teams, maybe towards the, the latter stages of the Champions League or later in the season, we're going to need all our chances to go in for us to win the, win the big things. So, yeah, ho- hopefully he works on that finishing and can get a bit more clinical. But in terms of his his goal-to-game ratio, he's actually, he actually stands out quite well. Jay's coming around to you. Another player that you say played a pivotal part in the game, and we're going to bring it up, is Lorente for that chance for Son. Because do you think, Jay, he has shown this season that coming off the bench, he's contributed quite a lot, hasn't he? Cut the goals. Do you think he deserves more praise than what maybe he's been given this season, Jace, overall Lorente? <laughs> Well, I definitely think if if you if you look at how much he's contributed and, and compare it, he's probably been only on the pitch. Well, other than that West Ham game, he's has he even racked up ten minutes on the pitch in all the other combinations of games he's had. So he's actually he's actually crammed quite a lot of contribution into the the time he's had on the pitch. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'd like to see Fernando Lorente play ten Premier League games for us this year, but you know, I felt for him. He should have come on after, with half an hour left of that Southampton game. You know, it was, it was the ideal chance. So that, that's what I mean where I'd like to see more of Lorente. There, there are opportunities to, to get Lorente, even at Leicester last week. You know, it, obviously he wasn't on the bench, was he? Left out the squad. But when we brought Kane on, you thought, well, you know, we could have actually picked Lorente on the bench and given him those 20, 25 minutes or even started him at Leicester and give him the chance that way. But yeah, he has. he's definitely contributed this year. It's... You know the PSV thing. Let's be fair. He turned that game with the PSV thing, didn't he? With the with the touchdown because we were going nowhere in that game. So he's, he's done well. And whether he starts Wednesday is is another thing entirely, though. Hmm. I mean, as much as he has made a contribution this season, I think we're going to come on to the preview later. But I think all of us are in agreement that Harry Kane, please God, fingers crossed, he's starting that North London derby on Wednesday. But just to kind of move it on and discuss Kane's crucial part in the goal. Now, we discussed on the, on the show about how many goals Kane contributes overall to a season. But, you know, coming back around to you, Ross, is there again, isn't he, the assist for Ericsson's winner? I mean, he just he seems to play a part so much in our goals if he's not scoring them, Ross. Yeah, I think that's one thing that maybe non-Spurs fans don't realise is how complete of a player Harry Kane is. Like, you know, they may see the goals and the records and the golden boots and so forth, but he's so much more than that. And maybe that comes from, obviously traditionally being a number 10 uh, in the youth team, I don't know. But he just, you know, even aside from his assist, the amount of times he'll pick the ball up and spray a ball 60 yards across the pitch to put us on the counter-attack. He's just such a complete footballer in that sense. 
he is just incredible, isn't he? We talk about Kane so much on this show, and we discuss his goal-scoring ability and what he does for the team and what he's contributed to Spurs over these years. And Ash, like Ross says there, you know, so much about his game. It's not just his goals. It's his hold-up play. It's his passing range. I mean, he's just improved so much as an overall footballer, hasn't he, in these last couple of years? Yeah, people look to his goal goal record, and obviously that speaks for itself. It's amazing. But... So- but I, I feel like what rival fans don't realise is how how much he just brings to the team. Apart from that, like his array array of passing is amazing. His hold up play is mm-hmm. it's just got better and better. Like we can ping a ball into him 30, 40 yards. He hold it up, he lay it off. Like the, the man's incredible. I like. I know it's sports personality of the year tonight, and I really hope he wins. Well, that. this is it because we're recording it, guys. Just to kind of let you know on a Sunday evening, if Kane does win the sports personality of the year. You're going to hear it here first. There's going to be some great scenes there, hopefully, if he does win it. So we've got it on. We'll keep you updated if we're still recording once that does go out live, the results of that. Just discussing Ericsson, the winner. And, you know, great points made on Ericsson. Fantastic finish. And, Jace, I want to come around to you and ask you this one about Ericsson because surely, Jace, you would think quality finish from Ericsson. Surely it's cheaper, Jace, to give him a new contract instead of trying to replace him, you would think, Ericsson. How could you go out there and try and find a replacement that would cost you less money? Than, than what it would do to tie Dan Eriksson. Well, we've talked about his his contract recently, and you know, I, I think Tottenham do want to replace uh, to uh, renew his contracts, and it, it's up to him. I, as I said, if I'm his agent, I wouldn't be allowing him to to replace it. I think there's what 18 months left on it, and you just think you know, he may well get an offer in the summer. So why why sign a new contract and then Tottenham say well? Okay, well, it's going to need to be 140, 150 million to buy him. I think Christian Eriksen's that type. Don't forget, when he he signed us, he always said he has a clear view of his career path, and I think he just thinks I'm I'm loving it at Tottenham. You know, I've got no problems with Tottenham. I'd quite happily sign a contract, but perhaps he's just reached a stage where he thinks, what am I going to win? And why commit myself for five years? He he knows. Let's be fair about it. He knows he can leave it until the end of the summer and see where Tottenham are. You know, if Tottenham, for instance, let's just say we finished fifth, he knows that, OK, it's probably time to move on. If Tottenham are fourth or something or third, he knows Tottenham will give him a contract in the summer. That that contract's never going to be taken away from him, isn't it? it it's going to be on the table for the next six, seven, eight, nine months, right the way through he, till his contract runs out. So I think he's, he's just doing that as much as it's disappointing for us. I kind of see it from his view and his agent's view and think, why? Why should we be committing to it now? Let's just, let's just hold fire and see where we are in the summer, and and then we'll make our decision then. But I'm sure Tottenham are doing absolutely everything they possibly can to do with with Christian Eriksen's contracts. And don't forget, contracts—they're not just about how much a week you earn. They're, there's so much more to a contract nowadays than just the the weekly wage. So let's not go straight over the top and oh, Daniel Levy's being tight and he won't pay him whatever he wants because you know it gets boring that argument. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ross, I'm sure you're going to tell us exactly the same that you know how important Eriksen is to this team. He really is the heartbeat of it, Ross, isn't he? Yeah, he's vital. Like he's vital to our play, but also lately he's been chipping in with crucial goals. Obviously, mm. the one yesterday, the Inter Milan goal. That's it. Like often, he's the one laying them on the plate for other people and kind of dictating the pace of our play. But lately, he's actually found himself on the end of the chances and putting them in the net. Ash, would you agree with that alongside Ross? Yeah, t- totally. He's playing amazing. Mm. Yeah, I, I think we need to sign them up ASAP. We do. You've just 
you know, you've just got to think, his agent will obviously know what's being whispered in his agent's ear, won't he? So, you know, if, if it has been his dream from day one to play for Barcelona and his agent saying, look, Barcelona are interested, we don't know that. That, that could be, you know, it may not be the case. But if that is the case, why would you then sign a contract for Tottenham and, that, and then Tottenham could say, it's, OK, it's going to cost you 140 million Barcelona when he knows he could go to Barcelona in the summer for 45, 50 million. So, you know, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes and how many other clubs are in his ear. And I just think Eric. I think Ericsson's more intelligent than just I want to play for whoever pays me the most amount of money. So I don't think it will come down to money with Ericsson. I think we have already said that with Ericsson before in previous shows. Yeah. That he has got this pathway, hasn't he? He sees it in his head where he wants to go. He has got this plan. He turned down Chelsea. Absolutely. For what, he's, 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 what we know when he was when he was younger. Therefore, there is a certain pathway he wants to go. And obviously, we are maybe privy to that. We don't know. Let's just hope Spurs are still for as many years to come part of that pathway. Yeah, absolutely. For him. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, listen, before we look ahead to Arsenal, just want to mention a couple of points from Rizzo Pochettino. Now, he's the first Spurs manager to win 100 Premier League games, the third fastest to do it after Sir Alex Ferguson and Jose Mourinho. he done it in, well, let's, let's look at his stat. It took him 169 games to record the 100 Premier League wins, which is 10 games fewer than it took Arsene Wenger to achieve the same feat. After the game, Pochettino said, in discussion with the title... We are there. After 17 games, 39 points, we are third. That is a massive achievement for us. We are there. We are close. In football, all is possible. Look what happened in the Champions League. After three games, only one point. Nobody believed. So on the back of that, I have to ask you, Jace, do you believe there's a potential title outsider here in Spurs? I, I think we can still be in the top three come April. But if you say, do I think Tottenham can win the league? No, I'm honest. I, I don't think we can. But but he's right. I, I didn't think we would qualify after that 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 draw in PSV. So let's, let's, let's hope we can We've just got to stay in there as long as we can. You know, Christmas is busy, isn't it? it is, Hell of a yeah. lot of games over Christmas. There could well be a semi-final where you have a two-legged semi-final as well, where those games get thrown into it. How many other clubs get caught up in those? So it's a long way to go. And... Um, I just, I just all, all I'm honestly looking, mate, is at Wednesday night. Let's win Wednesday and then worry about everything else after that. Yeah, quick fire then before we preview Wednesday night's game against Arsenal. Ash and Ross, I'll come first to you, Ross. Are we in it, Ross? Are we in a title race here? Uh, nah. No. no. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Too uh, bad, I don't really think there's a title race. That's, you know, it's not really... We're, only, we're not even halfway for a season yet, so I think, it's you know, any title race talk is premature. But I... I can't see us keeping pace, to be honest. I think Man City are playing at just another level within themselves. And then I think, unfortunately, our results against the top six, generally speaking, haven't been good enough in recent years to kind of keep us up there anyway. So I think, don't get me wrong, we're best placed of the rest to challenge, but I don't see us up there in April, May, kind of, you know, seriously competing for the title. I would say the other thing I would say about the title race is, you know, when you look at it, we've still got to, we've played City and Liverpool at home. So we've got to go to their places in the second half of the season. We're five behind City. We're six behind Liverpool. We can't lose either of those games. You know, I mean, if Liverpool beat us at Anfield, we've got to make up nine points on them. And you're looking at Liverpool thinking they haven't lost yet. So where they're going to suddenly lose three or four games more than we are. So you think, you know, for us to be in that race... Reality is we've got to go to City and win and we've got to go to Anfield and win. 
and that's going to be incredibly difficult. Not impossible, but if if we don't win at Anfield and we don't win at City, then we won't win the title, that's for sure. OK, I want to get Ash's quick thoughts. Ash, yes or no, are we still in this at the moment, the title race, if there is one? <laughs> I'm completely opposite to the other two, to be honest. Oh, really? I OK. I I a bit of optimism. Can... Yeah, I think we can win the title, and I've okay. got a number of reasons why. Go on, Ash. First of all, we've played our three toughest games at home. We've mm. played Liverpool, we've played City... We played Chelsea at home. All our remaining home games will start as favourites and are, are winnable games. By no means I think do I think that we're going to win all those games, but we're, we're going to win the, the vast majority of those games, providing we don't have a massive downturn in form, have loads of injuries. We're going to win the majority of them games. Secondly, I feel like Liverpool and City are probably the two which are the most likely to go further in the Champions League and, and probably the further in these other competitions. Now, by no means am I saying that we're going to get knocked out straight away, but if we if if we get drawn against one of the big teams, I, I feel like we're probably going to struggle more than, say, Liverpool. I feel like they, they can turn over a Real Madrid, they can turn over a, uh, a Barcelona, whereas for us, we, we, we may not be at that level yet. So I feel like they... Like towards the end of the season, both of those teams, they're expected to fight for all the trophies, all the major honours. So there's probably a bit more pressure on them. Thirdly, I don't actually think, apart from the Chelsea game, that we've actually played well this season. Now, we've been grinding out these results left, right and centre, these 1-0 wins, these 2-1 wins. But there's got to be a time, right? This Tottenham team's a great team. There's got to be a time where they click and they start... We we play three or four games in a row where we're constantly playing better, we're constantly scoring goals, we're tearing teams apart. It's going to happen. It's happened the I last hope couple... so. You're right, Ash. You're sending it to us here. You're, you're starting yeah, to it... believe here. Yeah, I mean... I'm it's starting happened... to believe. <laughs> it's happened the last <laughs> seasons. It, 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 it's not made up. We always do, and we always have a good Christmas period. Now, if we can continue that, stay maybe five, six, maybe seven points within within the leaders come, come turn of the year, then, then who's to say it? Like... At the end of the day, no one expected Leicester to win the title. They won the title. And, yeah, Man City are favourites. Liverpool have got a strong squad as well. But on our day, we can beat anyone. And we do have a strong squad. So, yeah, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to win it. But 40 to 1, I'd definitely have a few <laughs> quid on it. Jase, you done a bookies yet? I'm always, I'm always at the bookies, mate, <laughs> for, with a couple of quid. But I usually back against us all the time, you know that, because oh, I look at it honestly. as compensation. Oh, dear. So I, I did manage to sneaky cash out on Burnley on the draw just before we scored. So, I mean, even that worked out. There you go. Just go and announce that to the listeners. They'll, so, they'll, you they'll know, I, I'll always that. back the other sides against us. Like I say, you don't want to be burgled, but you have an insurance policy to make sure when you're burgled, you get some money back. So that's how I look at it, mate. <laughs> the Oracle, Jason McGovern. There you go. Never fails to amaze, does he? Well, listen, let's bring in the Arsenal chat. Huge game. And we're obviously recording this on a Sunday, so it's Monday for you guys listening to the show. And I want to start with you, Ross, because Arsenal's 22-game unbeaten run in the league comes to an end. It took them to the dizzying heights of fifth place, Ross, where they got to just within five points of Tottenham. And they're still five points behind us, Ross. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought the game today was quite promising from our point of view, the fact that Southampton managed to get at them and relatively comfortable, you know, with... I know they've obviously got the new lift from a new manager, but this Southampton team are evidently not a very good team. The table doesn't lie in that sense. And to be fair, they were opening Arsenal up quite comfortably with very little ease time and time again. Ross, then, bringing that into debate, then, 
does, are you concerned the fact that are we going to get a backlash here? Or is it difficult to know, Ross, even the team selection for this one into Wednesday? Because both teams were expecting them to rotate. As much as I want Spurs to put out what their best available 11 is and go full strength, I'm not stupid. You know, I've got a lot of injuries at the moment. Pochettino, as much as I wanted to put him out that first 11, I don't know if he will. How do you see the selections coming in for this one? Yeah, I'm really not sure what to expect to be fair, like from both teams. I mean, obviously, we said at the weekend, Pochettino, or at least for me, surprised me in terms of a team selection against Burnley. And naturally, I don't follow the Gooners, but I know they kind of put out a half-strong, half-weak team today and rested a few players. So I'm not really sure how how Poch will approach this game. I just hope that we put out, regardless of who it is, we put out a strong performance and really do kind of nail them to the wall, hopefully, this time around. Because... <clears throat> You know, even when we went two one up there, what was it? We could do. We could do it already, Ross. We're trying to blank it out. No, but like, it's not like we we were we weren't really battering them. Like we didn't really get out of first gear. Mm. One of them was a penalty, and like we we weren't playing well even at two one when we went in at two one up at half time. So if we can actually put our best foot forward and a competent performance, then. Yeah. We are a better team than them. That's, you know, evidently. Mm, I certainly agree with that. And coming round to you, Jason, you know, Southampton had not won a single Premier League game for 13 matches and not won a home game all season until the win against Arsenal. What do you make of it? You know, is it good to be playing them like this or would you rather them have won that game? What do you make of it? Well, I mean, in fairness, Arsenal have beaten Carabag, Brentford, Blackpool, Vorskler. <laughs> You know, they've had three players booked for diving against Huddersfield. So it's been quite a glorious run for them, it must be said. But I think, you know, in fairness today, I'll try and take the rivalry out of Arsenal just just for a minute. You know, I think they were, what, they had to make three or four changes themselves at the back That's because right, of yeah. injuries. And Koscielny mm. was probably playing today, which they probably didn't really want to do. But Holdings obviously got injured. Mustafi was what suspended, wasn't he, after diving. I mean, a centre-half gets booked for diving and, and gets himself suspended. How oh, stupid is that? I think didn't Mon- Monreal <laughs> came back at left-back, didn't he? So that they, a, they obviously had a total rearrangement in that respect. And we've all said, they, you know, even with their run, Arsenal are still a better side going forward than they are defensively, aren't they? But let's be fair, if you've got Young and Lacazette, you're going to score goals. But Xhaka, to me, is still a headless chicken and, and I don't rate any of their defenders. So nothing, nothing had changed in that. 21 game run for me it's, it's just we just have no idea what, what type of sides both teams are going to feel do we no idea at all um, you know maybe maybe he looked at the, the game with Tottenham and thought yeah I'd like to have my best side available at Tottenham but having lost at Southampton you know it may well now change his mind well, and think thing, well I'd now yeah. sooner have my strongest side mm. for next weekend rather than the Tottenham game you know will we give TJ Ioma a debut he was on the bench on on Saturday, and you know, if we do that, and they suddenly pick Alabama Yang, you, you kind of fear for a young kid. So it's it's, you know, how the hell can you really preview a game when you've got no idea how how either side's going to approach it and what type of teams are available? As coming around to you, Pochettino in his post-match press conference after the Burnley game said he has promised the Spurs side which he selects in the cup will compete against Arsenal. I mean, his words were, we have a lot of injuries, but we are going to pick a team that will compete. It's always big to play in the derby. But we have seen in the past, as you've mentioned, Ash, that Pochettino, he hasn't always put out his strongest team in the cup. You mentioned that, you know, the fact that if he could beat Arsenal along the way, that might change things for him. Therefore, are you expecting, you know, his best available team that he could play against Arsenal on Wednesday night? Yeah, I, I fully expect him to play the strongest team. I think Kane will start. I think... 
Um, Ericsson will start. I think we'll probably start with Ericsson, Ali, and Son, to be honest. Um, I, I feel that tomorrow, well, tomorrow, Wednesday is a, is a more important game than Sunday um, in terms of us going forward. If we if we could if we could knock out Arsenal out of the cup after all, all their celebrations oh, in the league and oh how the tide's changing under their new manager, if we could knock them out and beat them out and be in a semi final of a cup. Um, that that's way more important to me than getting three points again against Everton. If I could yeah. choose one game, it would be Arsenal all day long. I agree. I'm, I'm so um, in agreement with you on that. I'm honestly I'm so in agreement with you. Go on, Ash, yeah, I, I I feel like. It, all the fans are the same, and and to be honest, the players are probably the same. They, they they've all seen the photos after that Arsenal game and seeing all the Arsenal players with their their selfies and their topless photos, thinking they won the league after beating us once in the league. Don't forget the car celebrations, Ash. It's getting bad. It's embarrassing. God, have a bit of have mate, a bit of pride about yourself. Have a bit of respect, mate. The the whole thing was embarrassing. Any time we've beaten them, we don't have the the dressing room selfies. We have no. a couple of players. Say, Oh, well played! Fans were great, whatnot. Yeah, every single one of their players to a man tweeted, "North London is red." None of our yeah. ever anything like that. It just shows the class, the difference in class between the two. And I reckon because our team's so down to earth, I reckon that really pissed them off. So they'd be doing everything in their in their power to win on Wednesday. And you know, what? I I don't want to sound like Kevin Keegan, but I'd love it if we beat them. <laughs> <laughs> Ross, I want to bring you in there. I mean, we're all going to love it if we beat them. I mean, we know the news that Jan suffered a problem in his quad, Pochettino said, in the post-match press conference against Burnley. What kind of team are you expecting, Ross? Is it like Jason said, it's just so difficult to kind of even put this together at the moment? Yeah, so difficult to guess. I just hope that we start Ericsson. Purely because, like I've said, I think he's the most important in terms of how we play. And I know, obviously, he started midweek against Barca, but lately he's been given a nice rest um, and hasn't really started that many matches. So I'm hoping he plays. And I hope we put out a really strong eleven um, and just completely ignore whether Arsenal put out all their kids or yep. their full-strength side and just focus on us and just hopefully blitz them. Blitzem, there you go. You want to hear from Ross first. Let's hopefully Blitzem. We've got some questions in for the panel ahead of that game. Let's have a couple of them. Jay's going to come out round to you. Chris Lawton says on this one, his question is, who in your opinion starts at left back and right back against Arsenal in the week? Oh, what the choice is what Trippier or Walker Peters on the right, isn't it? So. Uh... I think he'll keep Trippier back, so it wouldn't surprise me if he goes with Walker Peters. I mean, Aurea if, might if be he, fit, Chase. we don't know. Aurea might be fit. Uh, well, I, I, I don't know what the what the position with Aurea is, but let's be fair. If he was brave enough to throw Carl Walker Peters in away to Barcelona, yeah. then then there's no reason why he wouldn't throw him in against against Arsenal in that respect. I think on the left hand side. Who knows what the the position is? Yang going to be back? Because if Yang's not back, then presumably Ben Davis has got to play as the left sided centre half again, which which kind of answers that thing, doesn't it? So it's that that's what I mean. Until you you genuinely know who's available, it's very difficult to forecast it. It wouldn't surprise me if Oliver Skips gets an, a yet another start in there because uh, you know, I just impossible to predict it. I just like like the lads just said. I hope we go with the strongest possible side we can do you know if Ben Davis plays at centre half it's because he's having to play there rather than let's leave 
Yan out the side deliberately and play Ben Davis there, if you know what I mean. If he's got to play there because he's the only one fit, then then so be it. But I hope we pick our strongest player in every position we possibly can. I don't think you can say further than that, Jason. I think you've made the point on that. Ross, going back around to you, question here from Adam Kane. I wonder if he's related to him, possibly. AK <laughs> Coy says, would you rather start Son or Lucas against Arsenal? Uh, Son for me. Son, yeah. yeah? Son, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I just prefer him as a player. I think, if, obviously, as um, Ashley said already, I think a lot of the time when we do start Lucas, he does seem to occupy spaces that Kane or even Delhi from midfield wants to advance into. Whereas I think Son can really stretch the game. Um, and yeah, I think you can really get at there. I mean, I think I read earlier that Bellerin's out for the game. Yeah, that's um, right. So it'll be interesting to see if they start Lichtensteiner at right back, you know, I'd fancy Song against most full-backs, let alone Lichtensteiner, who's, what, 33, 34? He's getting he played at centre-half so. today, didn't he, Lichtensteiner or something? Did he have to play at centre-half right. today? That would make sense, because I know they bought him off or something. I was looking yeah. before we started recording. But, yeah, I'd, I'd start Song for me, just purely because he can stretch the game. And I feel like Lucas would kind of, from a stylistic point of view, we're not really expected to counter on Arsenal. Okay, and then Ross, I've got to ask you this question. For you, in terms of how big this game ranks, where is this for you in the season? How how big is it for you? Uh, it's big, it's big, it's very big. Um, it's weird, late, like the last couple of seasons, I think Chelsea has kind of overtaken this or come to equal to overtaking this purely because of we're more kind of competing with them. But now Arsenal are starting to add a recent surge up the table, like so they like to think, and they've had this unbeaten run. It would be nice, especially the fact the fact that it's a cup game adds an element to it that we're directly knocking them out of the cup. Whereas, I guess in the league, it's just three points. As much as it is more than that to us fans, at the end of the day, it's three points. Whereas this, to knock them out of a competition they could feasibly win this season would be great. So, yeah, it's very high, very high. I'll ask the same question to you other lads. Jace, in terms of the season, where does this rank for you? I, what, what I'm going to say is mad because... I'd sooner win tonight than than have got the point in Barcelona. We well, said know, tonight. I, you, I mean against, you mean against Arsenal, right? Uh, uh, against. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I know how important it was for the club to go into the Champions League stage. When we when we get there next February, I'll be buzzing for it and glad we did it. But to me, I've I've always said we play thirty six pre season friendlies and two proper fixtures a season in the league. Everything, every other fixture to me is just building up to this lot. I, I, I'd happily lose 10 times in a row to Chelsea to beat this lot. I despise this lot. I fucking hate them. And I desperately want to knock them out of that fucking cup. I just absolutely everything in me is for this fixture. So for me, it's always the biggest game of the season. We could be 15th and they're 19th. It's the biggest game of the season for me. Get the feeling, Jess, you're not looking forward to it. Oh, I despise them, mate. I despise them. <laughs> Ash, come around to you. I don't have to follow that now. Ash, how, how big is this for you? I mean, for me, I, for me, I've got to be honest to say to you, this is this is such a big game for me. I think now it has become the biggest, biggest game of the season for me, just because of the nature of how we lost the previous couple of games up there at the Emirates. This is such a big game for me. It is, like I say, I'll be honest, it's one of the biggest games of, of the season for Spurs in my eyes. How do you see it, Ash? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't uh, follow that with the passion for hatred. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Very few would, have to, would be able to find a way, I think, Ash, based on that. Yeah, I mean, I do hate them, but I do also hate Chelsea a lot. So I don't, and I've got a lot of uh, friends who support Chelsea. So I don't think I could lose ten times to them just just for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious. I hate Arsenal, but I couldn't lose ten times in a row to Chelsea. 
Um, but in, in, in terms of the importance of the game, um, it's more important than the league game to me. It's, it's a cup game. We've all, we, we want to win a trophy and I, I cannot bear them knocking us out of the cup. If, if we knock them out of the cup and go into a semi-final, demoralise them even more after this Southampton game, then where does that where does that leave them in the, in their season? That's they're, it. They're in the stupid Europa Tim Pot League. Dynamo they're, donuts every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to Dynamo donuts. Um, <laughs> they're five points behind us in the league. They're only in the FA Cup. Like, yeah, we, we can ruin their season on Wednesday, and I really hope we do. There you go. We're talk, should we be brave enough to get some predictions now? Because Ash and Ross have got the lucky part of it. They won't have to come back on and suffer the massacre if we do end up bullsing this one up. So let's start with a guess first. Ross, you are brave enough to give us a prediction for this? Yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 Spurs. 2-1 Spurs. Okay, 2-1 Spurs. Ash, what do you think, Ash? I'm going to go 2-1 Spurs. Well, 2-1. Um, and then uh, go straight into penalties, right, in, in the oh. league Ash, penalties. I don't know what you could do this to us, oh, are you? Oh, God. No. <laughs> I am. And I'm going to say that uh, Harry Kane will bang in the first one and uh, Christian Eriksen is going to bang in the winner and we're going to win on penalties. Oh, dear. Ash taking us right to the very end. Oh, what a night that would be. And My Jace, heart can't take that. Oh, I don't, I don't think any of my hearts could take that. I mean, Jace, come on. You know, Rick, I never, ever, ever make a prediction for this game. I know never. You don't. I, know you I just don't. hope the other two boys, I just, just don't want to hurt myself by doing it, mate. So... <laughs> I'm more confident, funnily enough, going there this time than I've, I've than I'm confident ever going there for the league games. So uh, take that as a good sign. But uh, God, oh, I want to fucking beat them. I really do. <laughs> Don't ever heard Jason use such bad language. It's only oh, against this lot coming up, isn't it? Uh, it's this lot. I tell you, it's this lot. It dominates me. This this game does. Oh dear. Listen, I'm confident. I shouldn't be. We like it's Tottenham. We've got a way of messing this up. But I hope we do get over the line. I'm going to go for a two-one Spurs win. Kane and Eriksen to score. There you go. I've, I've gone and said it now. So we'll have to suffer the ref guys on Thursday night and Love Sport, which hopefully, guys, you can join in, listen to us, hopefully discussing a massive Spurs win. Ash, thank you ever so much for rejoining us tonight. It's been such a pleasure having you. Yes, thanks for having me, mate. Um, awesome as always, and hopefully I'll be on soon. Yeah, most certainly you will be. And Ross, thanks for coming back on the show. It's been so long. Hopefully it won't be as long next time around, Ross. No, no worries. Thank you for having me on. Pleasure, Ross. Pleasure. And Jace, thank you very much as always. Looking forward to this one now, Jace. Cool, I want to be. I want to be dancing in the clouds for the next week. <laughs> I tell you, mate. Like I said, I don't care if we then lose the next ten games in a row to to anyone. I don't care. I'll swap it for a Champions League final. I'm that desperate to oh, be. Oh, there you go. I tell you. Blimey, Jason. There taking it to the extremes. Absolutely, well, item. As discussed, we are going to be live on Love Sport Radio on Thursday night discussing this game. Hopefully, looking back on a win. Enjoy the show. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.